This show is part of the Head Stuff Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to another episode of Basically. I am your host, Stephanie Preisner, and with me today is Hugh O'Connell, the Deputy Political Editor of the Irish Independent. Thank you for joining me in studio. Thank you for having me. So we have recently had a reshuffling of the constituencies in Ireland. And I want to know about why this happened, how they decide, who it benefits, and if it's going to change much when it comes to a general election. Okay. Off you go. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I suppose the first question is why. um, And why has this happened? Because every five years in this country, we have a census which takes the the population and... um, finds out about the population, uh, what type of people uh, are in the country, what what are their circumstances, how do they live, where do they live. All of these things everyone will be used to, to getting a census form. And the census was delayed because of COVID, um, so it actually took place um, in 2022. Um, so the census determined that uh, we have a population of, I think, about 5.1 million people, nearly 5.2 million people. And arising out of that, the Constitution stipulates that there must be a TD for between every 20 and 30,000 citizens uh, in the country. So it requires um, the government to set up a commission that would redraw the electoral map based on those constitutional requirements that every 20 to 30,000 people would have a TD representing them. So... um, The difference on this occasion was that this government has set up a permanent electoral commission, which is something that's been talked about for many years as sort of a permanent body that would manage elections and referendums when they're called, would would provide information on referendums, for example, uh, manage the electoral register, uh, all of these types of things. So that was set up. How was it done beforehand? It was done on an ad hoc basis whereby uh, the government would set up what was known as a boundary commission. Um, It would be set up uh, very quickly by the government of the day. It would be appointed, uh, people appointed to it would be in some instances former politicians, uh, senior civil servants, that kind of thing. And they would look at the electoral map and redraw it on the base, uh, based on the constitutional requirements um, and look at all the different constituencies and see what, how they needed to change. Did they need to have an extra TD because that constituency's population had grown? And then once they reported, that boundary commission was effectively dissolved. Whereas in this instance, the permanent commission will look after this uh, job every five years. Uh, and who are those forever. people? Um, so it's it's chief executive is a guy called Art O'Leary, who is the former secretary general to the president um, and who is a civil servant, I think, who started in the Department of Social Protection, a long serving civil servant uh, coming towards the end of his career. He was involved in setting up the Electoral Commission and was is now its, its first chief executive. Um, there's a subgroup within that that was set up um, to look at the, the boundary and, and they carried out the boundary review and that included some former politicians, for example, John Curran, who's a former Fianna Fáil minister. Um, so, but it, it, it's intended to be non-partisan. Um, it doesn't look at the uh, redrawing of the electoral map in a partisan way to try and benefit a particular party or anything like that. It, it tries to do so in a, in a non-partisan way. Um, and is it successful in being non-partisan? Like- by and large, I think it is. I mean, there's always suspicions that, you know, uh, so the housing minister, Dara O'Brien, is the one responsible for setting it up because his department includes things like uh, electoral reform. 
Um, and, and sometimes there will always be rumors and conspiracies around, oh, he set it up in such a way that like it should, uh, the redraw should benefit him or benefit his his party. But by and large, they, they are pretty nonpartisan. And um, this is because in the late 1970s, uh, there was a thing called a Tullymander, whereby the electoral map was redrawn um, by a, a commission that was set up, I think, by a, a guy called Jim Tully, who um, the way it was redrawn was effectively to the benefit of the particular party that he was a member of at the time. Which was who? You've caught me there. Okay, <laughs> that's fine. Um, but effectively, since then, and the controversy arising out of that uh, has meant that the, the aim of every government has been to set up a commission that's in a very non-partisan way. And ha- when you say that it would benefit the political party at the time, how would that work? Is that sort of like, okay, we'll draw the boundary of this constituency. We know that people in West Dublin, let's say Cabra, Finglas, they like to vote for political party X. So we'll draw it there because we'll definitely get a seat. Like, do you have to know who's likely to vote for who? And how can you judge that? Well, you can do it in lots of different ways. I mean, I don't think we should necessarily go down the rabbit hole of this, because, but, but I mean, effectively what you would do is you would, uh, yeah, you would find particular parts of, of a constituency and say, oh, well, they typically uh, are more favourable towards me or to my party, therefore we'll try and uh, include, put, them. include them in this constituency and then find other parts of the constituency that are favourable to that party and include them in that constituency. Um, usually with bigger parties, if you have smaller uh, three-seat constituencies, that tends to benefit bigger parties because uh, they get a greater share of the vote and it squeezes the smaller parties at the bottom because it, you need a, 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 a quota, a high, a high quota in, in a three-seat constituency, whereas in a five-seat constituency you can get elected. Um, you have more of a chance of getting elected, particularly if you're a smaller party and you're benefiting from transfers and so on. So... Um, I think that generally, typically, more three C constituencies tend to benefit the bigger parties. And why do you have to redraw the constituency boundaries instead of saying, okay, so Dublin North is a constituency; it always has been, and now there are twenty or thirty thousand more people there. Mm. We'll just add a seat. Yeah, but but then there might be knock-on consequences for other uh, parts of 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 Dublin, for example, or North Dublin. Um, so. I think what they try and do is, is, and they have to be mindful of things like local electoral areas. It's more of a problem outside of the capital, for example, where you have county boundaries, where mm-hmm. there are parts of counties, uh, let's say, for example, in in this current redraw, there's a part of Tipperary that's been put into uh, the Carlow Kilkenny constituency, uh, much to the, or rather, sorry, the other way around, I think it's part of the Carlow Kilkenny constituency has been put into, I think, South Tipperary. Uh, and that's something which is of, of uh, great annoyance to those people in, in West Kilkenny who, who don't think that they should be uh, part of, of the Tipperary uh, constituency. Okay. So you have to try and manage all of those in such a way um, that you uh, avoid straying beyond county boundaries. And that's something that this uh, boundary review has tried to avoid. But and has, would that be but because be created problems. someone in Kilkenny feels like a TD from Tipperary isn't really going to focus on the That's Kilkenny exactly issues. Why, yeah. okay. That's exactly why, yeah. That's exactly why. You want a TD. Uh, you know, the way our electoral system is set up is is that people uh, feel a close affinity to their local TD and feel they're, you know, they like to know who their local TD is and they like to know that they can do something for them uh, or, or solve a particular issue for them or do stuff that benefits their local area. And obviously a TD, uh, let's say, for example, in Tipperary, 
wouldn't necessarily have the interests of the people of, of, of the particular part of Kilkenny in their constituency, mm-hmm. in their but, interests but as much. But will they not need to get those people on board in order to get re-elected now? Yeah, of course they will, yeah. So they'll have to work at that. But those people in Kilkenny, for example, would have used to, will have been used to have been represented by uh, by someone from Kilkenny. Okay. Um, so it's kind of, you know, both sides of it have to work at, at, at building that relationship. And that's difficult because you're always then at the mercy, mercy of another redraw in five years' time, which could move that bit back out of the constituency. And we see now that there's, like, so there's Wexford mm. and Wicklow. But yeah. there's also this new constituency called Wexford-Wicklow. Yes. <laughs> so it's Wexford, Wexford-Wicklow and Wicklow. Yeah. But there's no, currently in the t- in the doll there is no one from the new constituency Wexford Wicklow. Mm-hmm. So will the TDs who currently cover this new constituency mm-hmm. will they just like stop focusing on that area now and focus on the neighbourhoods of their new constituency? Yeah. And then is it a free for, like what happens to the new place? So if you take um, those two, so they were two constituencies. So they were Wicklow and Wexford and they mm-hmm. by and large were within the county boundaries. Part of Wicklow, I think, had a bit of East Carlow in it as well. But is that but, like Simon Harris, yeah, so, Stephen Donnelly? So Wicklow is uh, Simon Harris, Fine Gael, Fianna Fáil, Stephen Donnelly, uh, Green Party, Stephen Matthews, Jennifer Whitmore from the Social Democrats and John Brady from Sinn Féin. And the situation, that, and then in Wexford, um, which was also uh, five seats, uh, because of the populations of both counties have grown, there was a possibility, for example, that they could have split Wicklow into. There was a possibility that could, they could have split Wexford into. But what they decided to do was um, to keep uh, Wicklow, uh, but split it in two, and then use part of it to combine with a part of North Wexford, um, and you create this new three-seater Wicklow-Wexford constituency. So the five TDs in Wicklow, for example, they all of the, they, they are all going to remain in Wicklow because most of them are based in the north of the county, particularly around Greystones, where both Simon Harris and Stephen Donnelly are, are based. So um, th- they will focus on, on that constituency and they'll forget about large parts of South Wicklow, rural Wicklow, um, and they will let the, that be formed part of the new constituency. And so it opens it up to the, the other to the political parties to contest in that area. Now that redraw in particular is seen to benefit someone like Malcolm Byrne, a senator based in Gorey, a Fianna Fáil senator based in Gorey. He was briefly a TD. He was elected in a by-election in November 2019, but then he lost his seat in, in, in Wexford in the 2020 general election. So he was only a TD for about three months. Then he was elected to the Shannon. And he will run in that constituency and he's considered nailed on for a seat in that constituency. Okay. And then, and, and because it's a three-seater and because those, as I said, the three-seaters tend to benefit the bigger parties, you can bet that there's a very strong Sinn Féin vote in that constituency, that there's a very strong Fianna Fáil vote in that constituency and a very strong Fianna Gael vote in that constituency. So you would think, uh, without getting into the names of the candidates, because I don't think those have necessarily been identified yet, except for Malcolm Byrne, that the three big parties, Sinn Féin, Fine Gael, Fianna Fáil, will all take a seat in, in that three-seater. And so if we're one of those political parties thinking, are we saying like, okay, there's three seats here, say I'm Fianna Fáil, we're going to run two candidates and hope to get two seats there? Mm. Or by doing that, are you maybe going to get no seats because you split your vote? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so that will be a calculation that Fianna Fáil will have to make. But I think that if you, you always, it, it's the case that if you run two candidates in constituency, unless you manage the vote very well, and we can talk about that in a minute, 
um, you are always running the risk of splitting the vote in such a way that neither of your candidates gets sufficient number of votes to actually get elected. But then we saw in the last election, Sinn Féin just ran a load of candidates, like as many as they could find. Mm. And nearly all of them, like some of them got elected just because they were Sinn Féin. Like, yeah. didn't well, well, actually Sinn Féin didn't run enough candidates for the vote that they got. Um, if you take particular constituencies like Dublin Bay North, for example, where Denise Mitchell topped the poll, she got a huge number of first preference votes. But if she had had a running mate in that constituency and they had uh, managed the vote a bit better by going into certain areas and asking voters in that area that are always going to vote Sinn Féin to say, give your number one preference to my running mate, candidate X, for example, okay. who, who wasn't a candidate, um, they might have got, they, they probably would have got two uh, Sinn Féin TDs elected in that constituency. Do you think that's what they're going to do this time? I think so, yeah, because they left a lot of seats on the on the floor um, in, in the last, um, or on the table, whatever that phrase is, um, in the last election because um, they didn't run enough candidates. So take a really good example in Sligo Leitrim. They were going to run two candidates, Martin Kenny and I think Chris McManus. And the uh, at the very last minute, just as the election was called, they took uh, Chris McManus off the ticket if he had run, they would have got two seats. Um, so, yes, Sinn Féin got most of their candidates, I think all but, but half a dozen candidates uh, that they ran in the 2020 election elected to the Dáil, which was an incredible achievement. But if they had run a dozen extra candidates, they probably would have got six, seven, eight, eight, nine extra seats. And so, if we have more constituencies and we need more TDs mm. for... Um, to represent the current population. Mm -hmm. How many TDs do we currently have in the Dáil and how many will we now have? So we have 160 TDs in the current Dáil and in the next Dáil we'll have 174. So that means that a majority, so like if it was going to be a, a majority government, yeah. just one party in government, how yeah. many seats would they need? Um, because one of those seats is, is allocated to the Count Corla, the chair of the Dáil, and the uh, government, uh, to get a basic majority, you'd need 87. In the new way? In the new Dáil, yeah. And do you think that any political party could currently run 87 candidates and get a majority, like, they don't need any coalition? No, it, it, it's it's very unlikely. Um, we haven't had majority governments in this country since the 19, I think since the late 1970s or the early 1980s. And the reason is the, the fracturing of the electoral landscape. And the electoral landscape has become more fractured since the financial crisis. So if you look at the 2011 general election, for example, Fine Gael got 76 seats, um, but it didn't get an overall majority, so it needed the Labour Party to form a coalition. And then since 2016, we've had this third electoral force in Sinn Féin, um, which has really come to the fore. And in, if you look at the 2020 general election, you basically had three parties, Fine Gael, Fianna Fáil, Sinn Féin, all kind of at around 30, between kind of 35 and 37 seats. Mm -hmm. So they're all uh, roughly... Uh, getting that number of seats. And on current polling, you're looking at Sinn Féin coming in with uh, maybe 60 plus seats at the next general election. But if they run, like you were saying there, yeah. they should have run more. Like if they run 80 candidates, could yeah. they get? Not on current polling, no. On current no. polling, they're projected to get about, I think, between 65 and 67 seats. Um, so that leaves you 20 short of the majority that you need in the Dáil. So then you have to f try and find a way to, to build the government. Um so, I mean, we can talk about that, but that would involve maybe coalescing with other smaller parties that would get you up to the, get you the 20 seats between, say, maybe the La Labour Party, the Social Democrats, the Green Party, um, other uh, in independent TDs, for example. 
Um, but that would be difficult. Um, whereas if you went with another large block like Fianna Fáil or Fine Gael, although Fine Gael have expressly ruled that out, you you could m- much more easily get a majority. And does this new does the new constituency map um, does it suit the bigger parties, or does it mainly suit like you know this new? Is there a new MICA party that's just been yeah, announced? That's right. Yeah. And how 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 does that work? So. Uh, Everyone has different interpretations of this. Um, different commentators will say different things. A lot of people would have perceived the boundary redraw to to have benefited Sinn Féin um, because, principally because they're ahead in the polls, have been for the last three years, and are on course, as I said, to, to win the most seats, and by far the most seats of any of those three parties. Um, like they'll, they'll, you know, on current projections, they'll win 20 plus more seats than, than either Fianna Fáil or, or, or Fine Gael. Um, but there's certain kind of uh, difficulties created in certain constituencies. So for example, in Meath West, they have uh, TD Johnny Girk, who lost a, a good chunk of his constituency into West Meath. So that will be challenging for him. In Donegal, uh, they were hoping that that would be split into two three-seaters that would, you know, Donegal is a very, very strong Sinn Féin, um, has a you know, very strong Sinn Féin support in, in Donegal. They would have hoped, for example, that splitting in into two three-seaters would afford them the opportunity to win four seats across the county. So two seats in, in the notional Donegal Northeast and two seats in Donegal Southwest, but it's remained a five-seater. So on a good day, they'll get three elected um, but that that will be a, a challenge, I, I would think. Um, but because they're the largest party in the polls, of course they'll benefit from from um, from the redraw, from the addition of extra seats. And it, it is generally thought that the fact that there are more three seaters, I think there, are, I'm not sure of the exact number, but there are more three, there will be more three seat constituencies in the next stall than there are in this stall. And as I talked about earlier, that generally tends to benefit the bigger parties. So if you look at some of the seat projections that have been done in the aftermath of the redraw based on current polling, you're seeing the smaller parties really get squeezed. So the Labour Party projected to only win three seats, the Green Party projected to only win one seat, and they have 12 at the moment and they're in government. Um, And even the Social Democrats, for example, who would be hoping to get into double figures in terms of seats, and they would only return with nine seats. And then on on the far left, People Before Profit Solidarity, they have six seats at the moment. They'd only be coming back with three. Um, so but is that based on, like, we don't really know, you know, the way there was a big campaign during the last election to vote left. So Mary mm-hmm. Lou was out being like, yeah, vote for Sinn Féin first, mm-hmm. but then for all other preferences, only vote yeah. f- left parties. Mm-hmm. So... Can we confidently say, oh, they're only going to return this many seats? No, of course we can't. I mean, we're we're potentially uh, a year, 18 months out from a general election. So no one knows what will happen between now and then or whether the opinion polls as they've been over the last um, three years will be reflected when it comes to going to the polls. Don't forget in all of these opinion polls, you're not including the, the uh, roughly, I think, about a fifth to a quarter of the electorate who haven't decided and won't decide until the election campaign uh, is underway, won't necessarily decide until the eve of, of the vote, um, because they're not people who are engaged in politics on a daily basis. They're not. Uh, they don't have a particular affinity to a political party. They're not. You know, it's, they're not. Uh, you know, politics is not ingrained within them. A particular political party is not ingrained within them. So they will decide. Um, very close to polling day, um, who they're going to go with based on what they've heard during the campaign or what 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 are the issues that matter to them. So what is the story then with gender quotas? Does, mm. does every political party have to run 
a certain number of female candidates. And does that sort of dilute, like are there going to be Fianna Fáil guys out being like, look, we just need you to run because we just need to have this many women on the ticket. You're not going to get elected, but that's fine. And if they do that, are they threatening the seats of the male candidates Mm -hmm. that were kind of guaranteed? Yeah. It's interesting that you should say Fianna Fáil because that's exactly what Fianna Fáil and indeed Fianna Gael to some extent would have done in the last general election where... At the last minute, they would have added a female candidate to a ticket uh, in order to meet their, meet, quota. meet their quota, which was 30% of their entire candidates needed to be female in the last election. I think it's going up to 40% in the next election. Okay. So, so that, f- that poses wow. a, a particular challenge for political parties. So, for example, how do you manage that? So Sinn Féin have taken a very interesting policy approach to that, whereby... Um, if they're running two candidates in a constituency, one of them has to be female. Okay, so they're so, 50%. So, so they're 50% there. But but obviously that creates difficulties in a constituency like Dublin Midwest where they have two TDs, both male, Ona Brin and Mark Ward. Um, so they will both be running again. It wouldn't necessarily be the case that they would have to run uh, a third candidate who would be female. Um, but the general approach they're taking that is that um, if there's a, a male candidate in that constituency and they have a running mate, the running mate has to be female. So that helps them meet the quota. And then other political parties, I mean, they they have a, they have almost the opposite problem where they have too many women. So the Social Democrats, for example, um, I think two of their six TDs are male. Um, but do, is there a male quota as well? Like, uh, do they have to run men, or can it be a no? Full I mean, I, 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 the, the gender quota is 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 gender neutral in a sense. I think it's just it's forty percent. Uh, you know, either side. So, okay. um, I, you know, I don't think the Social Democrats will have an issue in the end in terms of their overall candidate numbers, but it does work both ways. But obviously the whole purpose of gender quotas has been to get, try and get increased female participation in Irish politics because historically, and even now, it is shockingly low. I mean, we have fewer females in our national parliament than they, uh, national parliament than they do in many other countries across the world. Mm-hmm. We're way down where we should be in terms of female participation. And is this something that the large parties are like genuinely invested in or is it just sort of a, you get a sense sometimes that there's an eye roll like, oh, that we have to yeah. run a woman. but Because <laughs> it seems the parties are only obsessed with getting the seats, not really who's yeah, running. But I mean, at the end of the day, uh, the, the, it's, it's, a, the, you know, it's the carrot and stick approach, but the stick is a very, it, it's a very nasty stick because it means that if they don't have, um, if they don't meet the quota, um, their funding gets halved. Um, okay. So every political party in, in the country gets state funding based on their um, the number of seats that they win in an election. Um, so there's a very real effect for a political party that doesn't meet the quota. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, it's only that your number of candidates, uh, you know, that 40% of your total overall number of candidates has to be uh, female. It's not necessarily that the number elected has to be Because that's female. obviously down to the public. That's down to the public. But also that 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 ends up in the situation, as we talked about a few minutes ago, whereby uh, some political parties just kind of tack on a female candidate right at the uh, the last minute in order to meet the quota. Um, and yes, that does have the effect sometimes of diluting that party's support, uh, or not diluting, but splitting that party's support across two or three candidates and therefore they might lose out on the seat. So Would it, it be the case then, in that way. say in, oh, I, I don't really know with the new constituencies, but say some of the current sitting TDs who are female, mm. Pick one just there randomly. From any party? From any party. Um, 
Jennifer Carol McNeil in Dunleary. In Dunleary, Finnegal. So Jennifer Carol McNeil. So Finnegal are like, oh look, we'll try and get two seats here. Mm. They we'll, would be looking to get two seats there. Yeah. We'll tack on a man. Yeah. Not tack on. Sorry. We'll we'll <laughs> add a, a male to the ticket. So they add Hugh O'Connell to the ticket. Yeah. But is that then diluting? Like, would they be better off tacking on another woman because they're not going to meet their quota? And if Jennifer doesn't get her seat, then. Yeah, but I suppose then you get into a situation where, I mean, like, parties reserve the right to add candidates to tickets, but in most constituencies, they allow their constituency organisation to pick their candidates via via vote of the membership of, mm-hmm. of that particular constituency. So maybe Jennifer Carroll McNeil was the wrong example there, but in that constituency, for example, you've got the Senator Barry Ward, who was a candidate last time around, um, who will be looking to be a, a candidate this time around. So he would hope to be uh, on the ticket, having been voted on the ticket, along with Jennifer Carl McNeil, by the Fine Gael members in Dunleary. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, 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 theoretically it's possible that in a, in a particular constituency where Fine Gael or Fianna Fáil has one uh, TD and they, um, they are female, say Kerry, for example, Norma Foley is the sitting Fianna Fáil TD down there, the, the education minister, so they could adopt the strategy down there of, well, we only want to run one candidate and then at the very last minute uh, we're going to add a second candidate, a female candidate, in order to get our uh, our quota of, of females But we up. have no intention of that second female getting elected. It's just for our quota. Uh, yeah, they could do that in theory. But, but it's they... probably unlikely to happen because the membership, in, the Fianna Fáil membership in Kerry would not allow that and they would not uh, stick with that because there's plenty of ambitious male uh, politicians down there for Fianna Fáil who'd want to be uh, the running mate for Norma Foley and would want to get elected in their own right in Kerry. But if that's the case, are they not threatened? Like, is there not a threat then that by having some ambitious man <laughs> running with Norma Foley, one, they're reducing mm. their their gender quota by adding a man and two maybe they'll split the vote so much that neither Norma nor Ambitious Man will get a seat. Yeah, I mean, that is possible in theory. Um, but Fianna Fáil would be looking at a constituency like Kerry where traditionally they would have a very strong vote. And because it's such a large constituency, you would almost need two candidates to cover the constituency. So you would be going, so candidate X in Kerry uh, for um, for Fianna Fáil would be in a particular part of Kerry uh, looking where Norma's less popular where Norma's or less, less popular, known but, yeah, or less known or you know less involved locally and they would be saying vote for me number one um, and then vote for Norma Foley number two so that would help Norma Foley get elected um, I mean Norma Foley at the end of the day is a you know Fianna Fáil TD for Kerry uh, only first elected in 2020 but she is the education minister so it would be very surprising if she didn't get re-elected on that basis mm-hmm. alone Just taking a quick break to tell you about our sponsor, Rockwell Financial. Rockwell Wealth Management are amazing at extracting wealth from your business in a tax-efficient way. Whether it's pensions, protection, investment, exit strategies, succession planning, anything like that, they are the ones to go to. They have a free one-to-one consultation for Basically listeners. So ring them up, tell them you listen to Basically, and they will give you that offer of a free consultation. Rockwell Wealth Management. Go for it. We all know neck and back pain can be so debilitating. The good news is the vast majority of spinal problems can be treated successfully by regaining movement, flexibility and strength. Whether you have an existing condition or a recent injury, Matter Private has centres of excellence for spinal care in Dublin, Cork and Limerick to provide you with comprehensive diagnosis, treatment, surgery and rehabilitation. 
With daily clinics in five locations, it means you can access the expert spine care that you need without having far to travel, no matter where you live. Making the right move is important. And when you have neck or back pain, you want to be treated by Ireland's leading spine experts. You want a team who can look after everything spinal from the straightforward to the most complex conditions. For everything spinal, visit matterprivate.ie to find out more. I Know That Face is a movie podcast on the Headstuff Podcast Network, hosted by me, Stephen Porzio. And me, Andrew Carroll. Our show is all about character actors, the type of performers you'll see pop up in supporting roles in blockbusters, the type of people you know the faces but not the names. Each episode we pick one particular character actor and discuss a couple of their movies, shining a light on the performer's career while giving listeners plenty of movie recommendations. So the show is a must for cinema lovers. Subscribe to I Know That Face wherever you get podcasts and follow us on Twitter at I Know That Face P1. And are there certain people where you're like, that's a three seat, that's a five seat or a three seat, but like there's always going to be a Healy Ray, so we don't count that seat. <laughs> you know, like someone who's yeah. definitely going to get re-elected. Yeah. You know, some of the independents who are just like part of the furniture. Now. Yeah, the, the, in every constituency in the country, there's always a candidate um, or or a, a sitting TD uh, who's who's pretty nailed on to get re-elected. So Kerry, for example, the Healy Rays, um, Michael Healy Ray, Danny Healy Ray have, have run in a, a very effective uh, vote management structure down there that has ensured that both of them have got elected in twenty in twenty sixteen and, and twenty twenty. Now their vote was diluted considerably um, in twenty twenty by the rise of Sinn Fein, um, but they should uh, be in with a fighting chance. And particularly because the constituency is unchanged, it hasn't changed at all in the redraw. Uh, both of of getting reelected, and then if you look at other constituencies like Dublin Central, where Mary Lou Macdonald is the sitting TD, I mean she topped the poll easily in twenty twenty. And did she have a running mate? She did. She have a running mate? I don't. I don't believe she did. No. But they um, definitely would have gotten in, wouldn't but they? But they definitely would have gotten in. Yeah. So the the benefit um, of Mary Lou's high number of votes and the fact she topped the poll actually transferred down to uh, the Social Democrats, for example, like Gary Gannon. Uh, he got elected, uh, Nasa Hurrigan, a Green Party TD, she, she got elected there as well. And then on the other side of that, you have Pascal Donoghue, um, the Fine Gael, uh, long-serving finance minister, public expenditure minister, and he got elected there as well. But in in, 20, in, in the next election, whether it's 2024 or 2025, um, Mary Lou Macdonald will, will take a running mate. But Mary Lou Macdonald will definitely get elected in that constituency. There's no doubt about it. And how it. many seats is there in that now? Four. Four. Yeah, so it's unchanged. It's unchanged. And there's so there's currently four, there's going to be four, so someone basically is going to lose their seat there. Uh, yes, potentially. Yeah, because yeah. she's... I mean, she might not bring a running mate in, um, but it, it's it's there's a high possibility she will. And so that means there's a high possibility that someone will lose a seat there for sure. God, it's fascinating. I love a general election. Um, <laughs> are there... Um, where can people find out like where their new constituency is? Because I think I'm now in... I think I'm in Dara O'Brien's constituency now, but I think it's called now Dublin Bay. Like I think I'm Dublin, Dublin Bay North. With Dublin Fingal, if you're in, if you were in Dara O'Brien's constituency, I was in Fingal. You were, yeah. Okay, so that's been split in two, into. Um, oh, you've really got me here now. Dublin Fingal East and Dublin Fingal West, West I believe. Yeah. Okay. So, um, I'm not entirely sure where that means that you end up, but you will be in uh, one or the other. Um, and those are that was one big five seater, and now it's two three seaters. Okay. So, um, we're this go. we're this far out from a general election now. Like, okay, we say if everything goes well, we're a year and a half out, are we? Ne- May. It's the latest the general election can be held is March twenty twenty five. March twenty twenty five, and they may go sooner than that. They may. Do you see 
politics kind of changing in the run up to elections? Like, do people start being like, okay, I need to, like ministers and stuff, I need to start focusing now on the constituency. Will you Mm. see some changes you know, this sort of like new, you know, if if, if, if the lads in, Grace, in the Greystones area have now lost part of mm. South Wicklow, mm-hmm. are they going to be kind of focusing on their new constituency and really bedding in? And do, does national stuff get a little bit lost in the run up to an election? Yeah, well, it, it depends on the constituency. So I'll give you a good example. Um, Leash Offaly has been, uh, was a five seat constituency and it's now been split into two three seaters. So let me give you an example of a long-serving TD uh, in the Leash Offaly area, uh, Charlie Flanagan, who's based in Leash. Um, he's the former Justice Minister, former Foreign Affairs Minister, Fine Gael TD, so I think since 1989. Now, a very practical effect of, of the splitting of Leash Offaly means that he now has to go and change all of his stationery and, and like the signage on his constituency office because he's no longer Charlie Flanagan, Leash Offaly TD. He's Charlie Flanagan. And he's he's a leash TD effectively because okay. he'll be running a leash in the next general election. So that has a cost for him. That has an implication for him. Now it's it's fairly small in the grand scheme of things. And I'm not suggesting we should feel sorry for Charlie Flanagan, mm-hmm. but that's the practical impact of it. And similarly, someone like Barry Cowan, who's in who's in the Offaly or was in the Offaly part of Leash Offaly and is now just going to be Offaly, he has to do a similar kind of changing of of his constituency stationery and and so on. And also, obviously, he has to then focus all of his um, firepower uh, within the constituency on Offaly and Charlie Flanagan on Leash, for example. So those are the kind of practical impacts that that these TDs now have to get used to. So, as you say, in the Wicklow um, constituency, someone like Stephen Donnelly would always, the Fianna Fáil TD, would always have been very good at getting uh, votes in rural parts of Wicklow all those parts of Wicklow or some of those parts of Wicklow are now gone into this new mm-hmm. uh, Wicklow-Wexford constituency. So he just has to then focus on on the more urban parts of, of the north of the constituency where he will need to maximise his vote in order to get re-elected. But the, the new constituencies are not meant to come into effect, you know, until... Well, they're, but they're in. But they're in effect now. In a, on a practical level, they're in effect now. For these politicians thinking about the next election, election. And, and they're thinking that it could be next year or it could be the year after, they they have to be thinking about this almost immediately. So it does involve you know getting new literature printed up. I mean, there was a, a, a great example: Josepha Madigan, uh, the Fine Gael TD in Dublin, Rath Down. Parts of her constituency, um, or sorry, there was parts of the the Dunleary constituency that were, were put into Dublin Rath Down, and within hours, um, if not minutes, of the um, uh, the Boundary Commission report at the end of August, uh, she had a letter going out to parts of the consti- the, the parts of her constituency uh, that were now, or the, the the new areas in her constituency saying welcome. saying welcome. Yes, I now represent you, whether you like it or not. Um, <laughs> and something strange has happened in Cork. Well, I'm from Mallow. Yeah. And we've now been absorbed by basically North City, like yeah, the Cork North, North City, because yeah. which we never were. And mm. like Mallow psychologically doesn't see itself as part of Cork City, yeah. like, you know, whereas Blarney is kind of like yeah. within walking distance. And that has an impact for Sean Sherlock, um, who I think is our current, actually don't even know, I don't vote down there, so I'm not sure. Yeah, well, Sean Sherlock is a long-serving TD for Cork East and his father was was the TD mm-hmm. there beforehand, before that, um, Labour, Labour TD. Um, and as you say, Mallow has now been moved into Cork North Central as part of this redraw because of the population changes, which mean that they need to sort of, you know, shuffle, shuffle things around. And so the practical impact of that means that Sean Sherlock, who's been based in Mallow all of that time, um, cannot conceivably run in Cork East without 
now that there's no Mallow in it. Mm-hmm. Um, so now he's considering whether he's going to run at all. Um, and but but he's he's made clear that if he does run, he will have to move to the new Cork Central constituency, which means like canvassing people in Cork City, like people yeah, who exactly. have no idea who he is. Yeah, like. yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but but I suppose he would look at it in a way that well, you know, I think I stand a good chance of getting elected because I am based in Mallow. And he will think and he will argue, um, and I don't know whether he's right or not, but that people who vote for other political parties in Mallow would vote for him because he's a Mallow TD. He represents the people of Mallow. He looks after their interests. So they wouldn't, because these people have been... uh, I'd say there's a lot of people in Mallow who don't even know what party he's from. You know, like it's just, it's Sean Sherlock and he's one of us. That's a great benefit for him because that means that, so he he would think now that people who would vote Fianna Fáil or Fine Gael or even Sinn Féin, for example, um, who are based in Mallow, will vote for him now because they don't want to vote for a Sinn Féin, Fianna Fáil, Fine Gael candidate who's from in... Cork City. From Cork City, from North, Cork North Central, mm-hmm. the North part of Cork City. Because the other, the, the TDs in Cork North Central, it's um, uh, Tommy Gould, uh, Colin Burke, and uh, the Fianna Fáil one escapes me, but um, they are all TDs who represent the city more so than they would the, the, the population of Mallow. And so considering- he, he would hope that that would be enough to get him elected if he does run. And I would say now, based on nothing, and Sean, if you're listening, like I don't make your decisions based on what I think, but I'd say you're well gotten Mallow and people don't aren't voting for political parties because it's very important mm. to the people of Mallow that they have someone from yeah. Mallow representing yeah. them. It, it's, it's, a cla- it's a classic example of, of where the redraw really um, has has a sort of an, a, an effect for for ordinary people because they they want someone who represents them and the people of Mallow wouldn't feel represented by uh, 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 Sinn Féin or Fine Gael or Fianna Fáil TD who's based in almost Cork primarily City. in the city and now no doubt we'll be thinking about Mallow and we'll be thinking about ways in which to maximise their vote in Mallow um, but what do they know about Mallow? I don't know. You'd know better than me. Uh, what do they know about Mallow? Yeah. Yeah, well, there's so much to know. It's I mean, the crossroads of Munster. I don't want to do a disservice to... Tommy Gould or Colin Burke, but I suspect they don't. They are not as au fait with the issues of Mallow as they are with the issues of Cork uh, of, of North North Cork City. Was there any significant um, implications with the redraw on people like Leo Varadkar, Michal Martin, Michael McGrath? You know, like the the kind of stalwarts mm. of Irish politics. So in the Taoiseach's constituency in Dublin West, um, they got an extra seat, so it, it's now a, a five seater, um, and. Uh, Leo Varadkar, because he is Taoiseach, would almost be expected to bring in a running mate um, because he would be expected to, to get a very high vote. But Leo Varadkar was Taoiseach in the last general election and I don't think he got elected till the eighth count because, um, like lots of other places across the country, this, the Fine Gael vote wasn't as strong as it had been in previous elections and the Sinn Féin vote was very, very strong. So Sinn Féin equally would be looking at that extra seat in Dublin West and thinking we have a very That's good chance ours. of winning okay. a second seat. Um but, uh, you know, he, he will get elected Leo Varadkar. I don't think there's any doubt about that. Um, but then the real battle will be for that fifth and final seat. And, you know, will he be able to take in a running mate or will the tide uh, be going the direction of Sinn Féin to such an extent that they would bring in a second seat? Paul Donnelly is the Sinn Féin TD out there um, and he will have a running mate, I suspect. In Cork, South Central, where uh, is has always been a constituency watched very closely because it includes Michal Martin, uh, the Taunister, former Taoiseach, Michael McGrath, the finance minister, uh, both of Fianna Fáil, and Simon Coveney, the enterprise minister and, and the Fine Gael TD. Um, there is an extra seat there. So again, 
uh, you're looking at that. And Fianna Fáil have two seats in the constituency. Um, they'd want to have an amazing day to get a third seat, so I don't think that's likely. But the, 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 f- the fifth seat, uh, I would think that Sinn Féin would be looking to bring a second candidate in there. So they have a, the sitting TD, Donico Lira, who's their, uh, I think, their education spokesperson. Uh, and he'll be looking to bring in a running mate. Uh, and equally, Simon Coveney will be looking to see if he could bring in a running mate. Jerry Buttermer, uh, former Fine Gael TD for that constituency, he was um, uh, fatally damaged, I think, Jerry Buttermer, by the redraw in advance of the 2016 election. He was a Fine Gael TD for that constituency, but the number of seats was reduced to four, and he lost the seat as a result. Uh, and he hasn't been able to get it back since, but he'd be looking to potentially be a running mate for Simon Coveney and maybe get a second seat there for Fine Gael. But on the current polling, you'd think Sinn Féin would be more likely to bring in a second seat. And finally then, before I let you go, are there many currently sitting TDs who are saying now, I'm not going to be running again, so you may think of someone else for my seat? Or, you know, people who say, based on this, like you're saying with Sean Sherlock, I'm just not going to run again, or I've come to the end of my career, or I'm done here. Yeah, well, even in advance of the uh, boundary review being published at the end of August, uh, you had a number of Fine Gael CDs uh, decide that they weren't standing again for a variety of reasons. So Joe McHugh and Donny Gall, Brendan Griffin and Kerry, uh, John Paul Phelan and Carlo Kilkenny, um, Michael Creed in uh, in Cork, uh, David Stanton, another TD in Cork, Cork East. Um, so... Those are all Fine Gael? They're all Fine Gael and they're all not running again. Um, and since the commission has reported Richard Bruton, um, the uh, former the guy with the six minister, pack. The guy with the six pack. Long serving TD in Dublin Bay North. He's been a TD there for 40 plus years. Uh, he's retiring as well. So some of these TDs are retiring on health grounds. Uh, some of them retiring because they just don't want to do politics anymore. They've been at it for 10 years. Um, some of them because they've been at it for a lot longer than that. Is it also um, a case that they see like they may be going into opposition and they're like, you know what, I don't know what it's like to be in opposition or not to have a fleet of staff. Yeah, well, that's possible. That's possible. But all of these TDs are, are backbenchers now. They're not ministers. No sitting minister has decided that they're not running again. Are they be stupid to say it now, though? Well, they? they would, yeah. I mean, there's an old maxim in politics that you're always running until you're not. So I would expect a few more announcements from TDs, not just in Fine Gael, but but in Fianna Fáil as well, potentially. Um, and perhaps Sean Sherlock, as we discussed earlier, um, that before the next election and in light of the boundary review, they would look at it and think, ah, I don't actually want to do this anymore uh, and I won't be running again. Um, but that's particularly problematic in Fine Gael, I think, and it's particularly prevalent in Fine Gael because it's a party that's been in government for 12 years. Uh, and prior to that, a lot of the TDs, um, a, a lot of its current TDs were in opposition for a long, long time before that. So some of these people have just been doing politics for a long time and they don't want to do it anymore. Um, but that creates a challenge for, for Fine Gael and for any political party who has the incumbent TD retiring because that TD uh, inevitably has a strong vote within their constituency. So finding a candidate that can replicate that can be enormously challenging and difficult. And it often needs that that TD to kind of help get them over the line. Um, like with Sean taking his dad's seat yeah, kind ex- of. Or... Exactly, yeah. But, it, you know, you, you'd need a retiring TD to say, well, look, I'll go out in the doors and I'll try and get you elected and I'll knock on doors and say, well, look, I'm not running again, but this, this guy, guy beside me is. is this, endorsing. this woman beside me, uh, I'm endorsing them. Please, please vote for them. And is there... Where did the like are there? You know the way you were saying there. There's lots mm. of you know ambitious men behind Norma Foley who want that seat. <laughs> tis my seat. Um, are they looking? Do they look to like Ogre Fianna Fáil, Ogre Fine Gael, Ogre parties, or is it kind of like who's popular in the community? 
usually it's a, they look at the councillors. Um, okay. Councillors within those constituencies are usually the ones they look at thinking that they have a, a very good chance of, of uh, potentially winning a seat because they're people who have uh, Already a served. track record of going out and getting votes. Now, to get elected to a local authority, you only need... Uh, anywhere between, I think, six, seven hundred votes, and and you know, people who top the poll in local electoral areas are usually getting kind of nine hundred, a thousand votes. Um, so it's not as much as you would need to get elected in a general election, where you need a few thousand at least, and then you have to get you know maybe transfers to mm-hmm. get you over the top. Um, so that's usually the first port of call um, for for trying to get general election candidates. Um, and would Fine Gael be saying like, look, Hugh, will you run for us, and we'll pay for it, or like, is it what's the investment from the person? It varies. Um, a political party um, would, uh, with a new candidate, sometimes pour a lot of money into that candidate in, into a you know into a particular constituency. So they'd give them money for the purposes of trying to get elected to print up posters, get a, a constituency office up and running, get ca- uh, campaign literature, all that kind of stuff. Um, but some candidates they'd leave to their own devices, uh, make them fund them themselves. Um, and of course, you can get reimbursed if you get a, a particular level of vote uh, by by the state, effectively by the um, by SIPO. Um, before I let you go, will you just talk to me about that new political party? And are we yeah. going to see more? Yeah, yeah, go for it. Okay, yeah. So there's a new. Um, a uh, political party, the 100% redress party, um, and this has uh, been set up in light of what's happened, particularly in Donegal, where uh, homes crumbling because of uh, mica, particular mineral used in in blocks that were uh, that built a lot of homes up there, uh, and they've been fighting very vociferously to try and get 100% redress from the state. The state is committed to a certain level of redress that's that's not quite what they want. So they're running uh, political candidates in order to try and knock out some of the government candidates in particular. So if you look in Donegal, if you have a 100% redress Micah candidate there, which you almost certainly will, uh, very vulnerable there will be Fine Gael, who's incumbent TD, mm-hmm. Joe McHugh is retiring. Uh, Charlie McConlogue is the agriculture minister there, Fianna Fáil TD. He'll be very vulnerable, I would have thought, to a candidate such as that. Um, but more broadly, I, you know... But like, what's the plan then? Like, you get in... <laughs> You take a seat from Fianna Gael yeah. TD. Well, who knows? Uh, but your only mission is to get 100% micro-address, but, which the government are not going to vote in. Well, like, it, yeah, but, but when I say who knows, like between 2016 and 2020, we had uh, a Fine Gael minority government propped up by a, f- a handful of independent TDs, who some of whom were ministers, some of whom got their constituency issues addressed. So Shane Ross... Mm-hmm. Uh, the former transport minister, he long wanted the reopening of a Garda station, his constituency, step aside, and he got it reopened. And the only reason he got it reopened was because the government needed his vote. Fine Gael needed his vote in order to okay. be in government and get their policies passed. And similarly, Finney and McGrath in Dublin Bay North, he had long campaigned for uh, new inquests for the Stardust families. Uh, this was a really, really important issue for him. And he got that over the line. Um, and he wouldn't have if he had not been a member of that government because he would have threatened to walk out um, okay. unless a new Stardust, uh, unless new inquests, inquests into the Stardust uh, fire were, were held. And he's got that, and those inquests are underway now. And he's long gone out of politics. He retired at the last election. But the point is, is that you never know with the uh, electoral situation such as it is and mm-hmm. the fragmentation of politics that we talked about earlier, you never know when your vote is crucial. 
And Sinn Féin, for example, uh, with the redress issue, I mean, they, they've committed to, to 100% redress. So let's say they're in government. Oh, but should they have committed to, to loads of things? Absolutely. But, and, and that's another podcast, perhaps, in, okay. in the future, <laughs> which we can do about, about what they've committed to and what they can realistically deliver. But um, if they're trying to form a government um, and the, the MICA candidate or the couple of MICA TDs, MICA redress TDs who get elected, um, they need their votes, they will promise them everything in order to get their votes. Do you think the MICA people will get elected based on I, only I, people who are affected by MICA are probably going to vote for them. Yeah, I mean, I think in Donegal they've got a very good chance of getting elected because that's a really big issue up there. Um, I think across elsewhere across the country, unlikely. I mean, I'm not sure what their electoral strategy is in terms of running candidates elsewhere across the country. So, um, But they certainly have would, would have a strong chance in, in somewhere like Donegal um, where the MICA issue has been so so big for the last few years. And it won't be just people who are affected by it directly. I think it would be people... Friends of theirs, families of family members, people who sympathise with them. So I think it's you know it, it, they they have a, a very strong chance of getting a seat seat there in Donegal. Once we're closer to an election, you're going to have to come back. I could talk to you all day about mm-hmm. this. Um, no problem. Hugh O'Connell, deputy political editor of the Irish Independent. Thank you so much for joining me in studio, and thank you for listening to another episode of Basically. Our music is by Only Ruin. Our graphic design is by Kahlo Gara. We're produced by Hilary Barry, and we're part of the Headstuff Podcast Network. See you next week. This show is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network, a hub for the creative and the curious. Shows are produced in association with Headstuff and the Podcast Studios Dublin. Find out more or become a member at headstuffpodcasts.com.